Welcome back to Thoughts on Therapy. I'm Lauren Spaulding. And I'm Caleb Matthews. And today we're going to be talking about self-compassion, which originally kind of got started um, by a lot of people, but the people that are researching it today are Kristen Neff. And that's one of the uh, big names in research around uh, self-compassion. Yeah, she's kind of like Brene Brown, where she got into or she was able to translate this research in a way that like people have really grabbed onto it and it's um she's really popular popularized the idea of practicing self-compassion well and one of the ways that I feel like she does uh it so well is she has an assessment tool, a quiz that you can take on your on her website that kind of helps you to target which areas of self-compassion might be most beneficial for you to work on. Um, so that way you can know if you need to maybe pay attention to self-kindness or self-judgment or common humanity or isolation, which we'll get into all that as we go along today. But I think that's one of the strengths of this model. Absolutely. Do you use this at all in your practice? Yeah, absolutely. I really like using, uh, this model and I usually use it by getting people to take the assessment and then after we've taken the assessment figuring out which area they might use Uh, she also has a lot of really good meditations even just on her website so if you're needing to practice self-kindness there's ones that you can use that are targeted to that in her website and in her book so that's that's how I mainly use it is Uh, getting people to notice which parts of themselves could use a little bit more self-compassion. What about you? I do use it. I was going to say I don't use it as often today, but I think that's probably because most of the people I'm seeing now I've seen for a long time. But yeah, I do tend to use it in like earlier sessions, uh, especially with people who are working on like perfectionism or being really hard on themselves. I like for them to have this like tangible thing that can show them some of the growth edges around that perfectionism. And so I think it's just a really cool way to see, like you said, the areas that you can grow in or focus on. But I also love the reaction to the score because the score typically tends to be pretty low. A lot of people who aren't practicing self-compassion are coming to therapy to improve that. And I like to, I, I don't just look at the score. I like to also look at how clients react to that. And uh, it's kind of fun to be like, do you notice that you're not having self-compassion about your self-compassion score that you're like, dang, that sucks. Or I need to be better at this or... Yeah, I have had that exact passion. (laughs) This like meta, like, oh my gosh, I'm not being self-compassionate enough. I'm the worst. (laughs) Yeah, just kind of almost proving the score. Truly, yeah. So it's kind of fun to to talk about that. Like, hey, can you notice how you're reacting to this? (laughs) And that it's not self-compassion and what could that look like? But I just I'm especially it. laughing because whenever I first took this several years ago, that was my reaction to it. Oh, so, really? <laughs> yeah. 
I, yeah. I need more. I'm definitely a recovering perfectionist, which makes sense why I work a lot with that in my practice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that I agree. I had a, a similar reaction in the past. When did you take it? Did you take it when we were in graduate school? I don't think so. I think I took it actually right after we graduated at the recommendation of my supervisor. And so he had told me about it and I decided to go home and take it after our supervision meeting and then kind of had the reaction that we just talked about. Um, Because I think that it really gets you to like one of the ways that it shows up in my practices, like you said, perfectionism, but also like people just with maybe a harder time with self-image whether that's being able to be alone with themselves or take compliments, like there's lots of different ways that self-image and self-compassion can kind of tie together. And I think that we'll get to see that uh, as we get to take the quiz today. I think I first took it in a group therapy setting. I was in a group for specifically for mental health practitioners. So it wasn't just therapists, but um, anyone who practiced within this field. And that was really interesting to be a little bit meta in that, like how much self-compassion are you practicing within your job, which was pretty cool. Thinking about uh, the different times that self-compassion shows up for me and how it's showing up today, I guess, is I think a lot of it's around making mistakes for myself. Like that's what... I think has gotten better with me over time, but that's whenever I tend to have the least self-compassion for my, for myself as whenever I've made an error. Like even this morning, I thought that I had a call at 1030 and it ended up being at 10 o'clock and I felt awful because I just didn't show up for the call. Mm. Um, And yeah, I mean, luckily it wasn't a client session, but man, it was, I just can't believe I forgot stuff like that. And it just has been sitting in my head all day. And I try to like gently contain it. I've apologized and we're talking later this afternoon, so it'll be fine. (laughs) But uh, it's, it's hard whenever you get into those specifics, I feel like, because I think we forget that everybody makes mistakes sometimes. And so that's Mm -hmm. okay. At least that's what makes me feel better because common humanity helps me to feel a little bit better whenever I'm not having self-compassion. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like for me, it's a productivity thing is when I'm not very self-compassionate. Like if I set tasks for the day and I don't get them done, I'm really hard on myself. Mm. Um, Or if I fall behind on work stuff, I get really hard on myself. And I have a long relationship with insomnia and have just tried so many things to help and finally feel like I found something that has helped enough. Like I can fall asleep by like midnight or 1am now instead of three or 4am. But I notice I'm pretty hard on myself. Like if I take a longer nap during the day or take a nap and I'm like, I'm so lazy and get really down on myself if I should have been doing something else. So I don't, I notice that I will lack self-compassion in those moments and then have to remind myself, like, we all need rest and it's okay. And, yeah, you know, there's nobody 
looking at how I spend my time judging it, even though sometimes it feels that way. One of the things that uh, I heard you just say that always sticks out to me is I should have. And I try to always point that out with my clients too, Mm -hmm. for the fact that that's one of the things that self-compassion like maybe should be a red flag for self-compassion because there's the expression of like shooting all over yourself. Um, Because anytime that you're saying should, you might replace that with the word shame just to be like, yeah, this is something that I'm maybe shaming myself for thinking that I'm not doing so great because I did this thing. And Mm -hmm. yeah, just to watch out for that. But yeah, I completely agree with your productivity assessment. I've had those days. Mm -hmm. I like that replacing it with shame because I feel like shame is seen as like a really big um, emotion, but it's not always that way. There can be small moments in the day where we feel shame or shame ourselves or shame others. And we're not even thinking about it. So to bring some self-awareness to that is important because that can add up just as much as like one big shame moment where you were just like sad all night, you know, has just as much impact. So Kristen Neff's website is self-compassion.org. And we are going to do the assessment together today. So if you want to do it with us, pull up the website and we can talk a little bit about self-compassion too, if you want, Caleb. Yeah. So on her website, if you go to the home screen and scroll down, you'll see these little blocks that say, what is self-compassion? What is fierce self-compassion? Explore the research, self-compassion practices, receive mindful self-compassion training and test your level of self-compassion. Yeah. And so whenever you're looking at that website, the what is self-compassion page kind of talks about these three elements of self-compassion. And so it breaks it down into two kind of, oh man, I'm about to say this word and I don't like saying it as an LGBT therapist, but like it breaks it down into three binaries. And so there's self-kindness versus self-judgment. There's common humanity versus isolation, and then mindfulness versus over-identification. And so I don't know if, because she actually scores them independently, if you would count them as binary to one another, but they do seem to be the opposites of one another. Um, Yeah, they're related to each other. Yeah, they're related to each other in some way. Because I mean, you might have very high self-kindness and like sometimes have very high self-judgment. So like you might have a high score on both, but usually the more self-kindness you have, the less self-judgment or vice versa. Right. So not always, but usually, Um, and that can be true. I'm thinking about it from like even an LGBT perspective, um, if you ever look into a, a different resource called the Genderbred Person, you can have both masculinity and femininity. Like it's not a binary; it's more of a zero to one hundred scale of masculinity, zero to one hundred scale of femininity. So kind mm-hmm. of the same way with this: zero to one hundred of two separate things. Yeah, but they are kind of sitting in opposition to one another. 
Yeah. No one is 100% self-compassionate. That's pretty impossible. <laughs> yeah. And it, you'd be fooling the quiz. <laughs> yeah. And it can vary, like you said, based on um, circumstance. Like you could have a lot of self-kindness when you are around your friends, but a lot of self-judgment when you're around family members or colleagues. So that's where you can see some of the variance in that. But yeah, let's talk a little bit about these three different categories that she's placed. She's uh, determined these based off of her research and what she was finding. Correct me if I'm wrong. Her research started out by interviewing people and she was looking for like common threads and what they talked about. I think so. Um, From what I remember of her research, it started out with her talking about maybe what makes people resilient and that that like self-compassion is what helped people get through hard times because they were able to kind of be kind to themselves uh, is what people that are self-compassionate tend to do. Uh, They can hold that kindness or that ability to see that everyone goes through this sometimes, which can make things a little bit easier when they're hard. Yeah, for sure. So I feel like self-kindness is easy to define. It's about just being more warm and understanding towards yourself, even when you make mistakes and just trying to actively be more gentle whenever you're in a situation that feels uncomfortable or painful. And then the opposite of it, that self-judgment is whenever you don't allow yourself that self-kindness. And so you become either stressed or frustrated or self-critical. And that's just because sometimes mistakes happen, but someone who is has that self-judgment isn't going to be able to recognize that they're going to get frustrated with themselves. And then common humanity versus isolation. So common humanity is about seeing that we are all human and and actively seeking information or conversations with others to normalize your experience or to just allow yourself to see that you're not the only person suffering or going through what you're going through. And even though your experience may feel very, very unique to you when you are sitting in that too much, it can have negative impacts on your mental health versus acknowledging that we're all human and therefore we all go through times of suffering, times of happiness, times of growth and tension and, um, you know, all the different themes that we experience throughout our life. And like the common humanity versus isolation an example for that for me is whenever I sit in my mistakes, like for example, earlier today, whenever I didn't make that call, um, I just kept sitting there trying to say to myself, like, oh my gosh, this happens. Like, why does this always happen to me? This is something that um, happens to me alone. And like, that isn't something that I think is really useful Um, because if whenever I start to broaden my perspective and be like, you know what, like they've probably been late to a meeting before, or, um, other people have forgotten to make calls. Like 
things slip through every now and then. And that's okay. Like, that's what comforts me is knowing like, this is something that happens every now and then, and it'll probably happen again, but I'll just keep doing my best and that's okay. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things that helps me. The last one is mindfulness versus over-identification. Um, and so this one is kind of about balance. And this one's always the hardest one for me to understand. So with that being said, Lauren, if you wouldn't mind taking a second, because <laughs> I want to make sure that we, we get this well through our podcast. Yeah, I, I guess when I think of this, when I think about acknowledging that emotions are a part of our experience and practicing actually sitting with them versus fixing it or ignoring it, which is kind of what a lot of us were raised to do within our culture. Like we don't really have a lot of emotional intelligence and that's something that is a huge benefit to therapy is being able to grow in that. And so when I think of this section of mindfulness versus over-identification, I think of it as intentionally practicing the idea that feelings are not facts. They're just feelings. They're not positive or negative. They just are. And allowing yourself to actually go through the process of feeling it, even if it's uncomfortable so that your body can actually like metabolize it. Yeah. Cause I think whenever you become over-identified, you might get stuck in it rather than metabolize it. Mm-hmm. There's an exercise that actually is a mindfulness practice that I like to use a lot. If you ever want a mindfulness practice, uh, one is called leaves on a stream. And what you do in that exercise is you, and I am using this to kind of, I guess, explain mindfulness versus over-identification. So in this exercise, you kind of pay attention to what your thoughts are and what your feelings are. And whenever that pops into your head, you just notice it, place it on a leaf that's floating down a stream and you watch the leaf float down the stream. Like you don't try to force it away. You just watch it kind of naturally float away. And then what's the next thought that comes up for you? What's the next emotion that comes up for you? And what over-identification might be would be forcing that thought to stay right in front of you, grabbing that leaf out of the stream and like just holding it and ruminating on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what mindfulness does is it helps us to recognize, not ruminate, um, on a feeling or a thought. So as long as you're able to just recognize it for what it is, and then maybe let it go when it needs to, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, this one's more about balance than I think the others. So, uh, cause you do need to pay attention to it, but you don't need to stay there forever. So (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of a little bit trickier. I learned a similar one from the app Headspace, which if you're a therapist and you don't know, Headspace right now is offering free memberships for us because of COVID. But yeah. the Headspace app, they have one where you notice in um, thoughts and emotions coming in and you label them. So you just label thought or emotion, and then you put it on a cloud and watch it float away. Um, yeah. 
And I love, love, love using that. And I love encouraging my clients to practice that when they are struggling with ruminating or if they're struggling with suppressing things and seeing it pop up in other areas of their life. Yeah. I also have the Headspace app for free right now. And uh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but they have like sleep noises that you can listen to, um, (laughs) like thunderstorms or a lot of different things. But my partner actually really likes this one that is, I feel like odd and specific, but it's called car journey. Mm. And it's just like the sound of wheels on a highway. And like every (laughs) now and then like a blinker will turn on and like just random car noises. (laughs) But whenever I'll pull it out, he'll be like, Oh, can we do car noises tonight? (laughs) Sure. Great. See, my partner has ADHD and it drives his brain crazy. Like he can hear the loop of the sound. And so he is like, keep it on your side and put your headphones in if you can. Like you cannot (laughs) stand any uh, created white noise. Like he doesn't mind a a fan in the room, but if it's something where someone had to put it on a loop to repeat, he it drives him crazy and like, we'll give him a headache, which is so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's not weird, but it's, it's silly that <laughs> yeah. he's, he's the opposite. It does not give him any sense of relaxation. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like it can be somewhat soothing, but I definitely could get where he's coming from. If there's one that's like looping every minute or two, like, yeah, that's <laughs> not good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, self-compassion. <laughs> so take, back to self-compassion, yeah. Let's um, take the quiz. Yeah, let's go take the quiz. Okay. I've got oh, it pulled for, up over here. For anyone who wants to read more about this, she also talks um, on her website about what self-compassion is not, uh, tips for practicing, and she talks about what fierce self-compassion is. So you can go check that out as well. Yeah. So just to tell you guys a little bit about how this quiz is set up. So she gives you a scale from one to five. Um, and then she has a statement. Uh, and you either agree with the statement. So that would be a five almost always. Or you disagree with the statement. And that would be a one almost never. So it goes uh, almost never, occasionally, about half the time, fairly often, almost always just to kind of give you guys an idea of where we're at. I'm probably just going to maybe say, I don't know. I'll say the words for, for now for people on the podcast, since you might not be able to see the scale. So number one. Yeah. Go to the website and take it with us if you want. (laughs) And again, that's self-compassion.org. But let's jump into it. So number one, I'm disapproving and judgmental about my own flaws and inadequacies. Oh, man. I would say about half the time for me. So a three. Um, I would say fairly often for me. But maybe I think that it might be important to notice that this self-compassion score might change based off of what's happening in your world. Absolutely. So uh, next one up is when I'm feeling down, I tend to obsess and fixate on everything that's wrong. When I'm feeling down, I would say almost always. I would say, I think I'm going to say fairly often again. 
Okay. Number three, when things are going badly for me, I see the difficulties as part of life that everyone goes through. Hmm. That's something that I've actually gotten a lot better about. So I'm going to say almost always for me for this one. I'm going to say fairly often for me. I was torn between that and about half the time. But when I really thought about it, I was like, when do I not do this? (laughs) I feel like that's not as common for me now than it used to be. Yeah. Okay. Number four. Uh, So when I think about my inadequacies, it tends to make me feel more separate and cut off from the rest of the world. For me, that's going to be occasionally. I'd say occasionally for me too. Number five. I try to be loving towards myself when I'm feeling emotional pain. I would say almost always. Yeah, no, same here. I'll change it to fairly often because sometimes I do really judge myself. <laughs> I'm going to go with almost always for me. Um, number six. When I fail at something important to me, I become consumed by my feelings of inadequacy. That's going to be fairly often for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say about half the time for me. Okay. When I'm down and out, I remind myself that there are lots of other people in the world feeling like I am. I would say fairly often. Yeah, that's an almost always again for me. I'm going to move my mic because you might be catching my clicks. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, it might sound a little louder now. Apologies for the change in volume. When times are really difficult, I tend to be tough on myself. Um, I'm thinking either occasionally or about half the time. I'm going to go I'm with about, half, about the half. Okay, cool. I picked that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about half the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to uh, maybe go with the higher one for that one. When something upsets me, I try to keep my emotions in balance. I'd say fairly often for that one. Yeah, I'd say fairly often too. When I feel inadequate in some way, I try to remind myself that feelings of inadequacy are shared by most people. Hmm. Man, anytime that it even comes close to it being shared with other people, I... I'm almost always. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say for that one, I would put almost always for me as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm intolerant and impatient towards those aspects of my personality I don't like. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with fairly often for that one. Maybe even almost always. I'm going to go with occasionally. <laughs> yeah. I'm very... And correct me if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm very humorous about my flaws. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm a trash panda and that's okay. And I'm yeah. very judgmental and that's not going to change. <laughs> like, I'm very tolerant yeah. of different aspects of my personality that I, re- in being in the mental health field and, and speaking with people who are very self-aware and we're always doing our own work, like, I recognize that that's not common. <laughs> yeah, I think. IFS has helped me come a long way on this one. So I am going to put fairly often, but I feel like that used to be a lot. Like there are parts of myself that I am not super patient with. I want things to be better. or I'm not proud of how I handle certain things. And so that's 
that can be really difficult for me. And I think that to switch it to fairly often is actually a pretty big improvement, but I mean, (laughs) still working on that one. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm going through a very hard time, I give myself the caring and tenderness I need. Mm, I would say fairly often. No, I'd say almost always. Yeah, I'm going to go fairly often for me. When I'm feeling down, I tend to feel like most other people are probably happier than I am. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess, I don't know. I don't really think like that very often. So I guess I'm going to go with almost never. I was considering occasionally, but yeah, I'm trying to think of the last time I did that and I can't. I was going to pick almost never too. Cause I was thinking like when I read it, I was like, Oh, I don't, that thought does not feel familiar. Yeah. But then I, I picked occasionally because there are times where I will like scroll on social media and yeah. compare myself and be like, uh, they're on a trip and they just bought a new house and they're doing this and that. And I still do that sometimes, but not very often. i I try not to. Yeah. Hmm. That can, yeah. I think social media has really upped that one for a lot of people. That's a yeah. Good like I feel like if I'm not on social media, I don't naturally think that when I'm feeling down. Like I don't naturally start comparing myself. Yeah, that's. I think why I picked the almost never is because it's like that's not where my inclination goes. But yeah, if it's sitting right there in front of me to compare. I don't know. I I also try to pay attention to that. That's one of the things I think I've benefited from, from therapy is uh, my therapist used to always say compare and despair every time that I would bring up comparisons in therapy. And so now whenever my brain kind of notices that thought floating by on that leaf, I'm like, Oh, maybe let's let that one float by. (laughs) I like it. Um, And they're floating by less these days. So that's good. Nice. Yeah. When something painful happens, I try to take a balanced view of the situation. Hmm. I'd say about half, half the time for me. Yeah. I'm thinking either about half or occasionally. I'm going to go with occasionally. Yeah. My impulse when something painful happens in relationships is to catastrophize. (laughs) So that's why that score is that way for me is I will initially be like, they hate me. This relationship is the worst. (laughs) Like I'll just, my brain will spiral and I have to like actively practice mindfulness to find the balance. (laughs) Yeah. That word balanced, I think is such a good word in this because I don't know, whenever I first answered the question, which I I ended up putting occasionally, but what's coming up for me is that um, whenever I have something painful happen, I have a lot of bad first thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, And I usually can watch those first thoughts and be like, oop, nope, they don't actually hate me. That's just my first thought. Mm. And so I have now been able over time to kind of be like, that's a first thought, let that one go. What's the next thought? So Mm. 
it's not balanced in the beginning, but it balances over time. So yeah, right after something painful happens, it's not super balanced, but it'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, it takes a lot of intentionality and uh, yeah, getting some separateness from the part of me that's freaking out. <laughs> yeah. I try to see my failings as part of the human condition. I would say almost always. Yeah, same. When I see aspects of myself that I don't like, I get down on myself. Occasionally. Say about half the time. When I fail at something important to me, I try to keep things in perspective. Fairly often. Mm, Um, I'm between that and almost always. I feel like I've gotten a lot better at that. I'm going to pick almost always. (laughs) Do it. Um, I'm going to pick when I feel it's something important to me, I try to keep things in perspective. Hmm. I'll say fairly often for me. Yeah. Uh, When I'm really struggling, I tend to feel like other people must be having an easier time of it. Almost never. Yeah. It doesn't feel familiar to me at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of myself. No, I'm, I'm kind to myself when I'm experiencing suffering. I think I do that actually really well. Whenever I'm having a tough time, not only do I let people know these days, but I also tend to try to be a little bit softer with myself. So mm-hmm. that's way to go me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pick fairly often. I feel like I'm a lot better at that. When something upsets me, I get carried away with my feelings. I'd say occasionally. Yeah, occasionally for me too. I don't feel like I get carried away with them as much lately. Yeah. I think there have been moments because of this pandemic world that we've lived in. I'm thinking of one moment in particular where I had to do a like service call to some store and I just like got so upset over something not getting delivered on time. And I just noticed that my feelings were just going through the roof. And it's like, why do I care? (laughs) But I remember I was like, I had one of those like moments with the service worker where I was like, I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad. Yeah. And it was so, uh, uh, I don't know why sometimes those things get you, but they do. (laughs) They still do. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that. Also shout out to all service workers. Thank you for the work that you've done and probably (laughs) are doing all the time right now because of this pandemic. Yeah, for sure. I can be a bit cold hearted towards myself when I'm experiencing suffering. I'd say occasionally. Um, I'll go almost never for me. When I'm feeling down, uh, I try to approach my feelings with curiosity and openness. Almost always for me. Yeah, I would say fairly often for me. 
curiosity is on the up and up with me. I try to have more of more curiosity, but I love curiosity now. (laughs) Me too. It's just, if you're being curious, you aren't being judgmental. And so it's the way to go. Like, why am I feeling this way? What's going on there? Mm -hmm. It's such a nice way to look at the world. Yeah. And it's helpful for people who are, who struggle with like the vulnerability of compassion, like people who are like, oh, that feels so squishy or that feels like childish. Like if you're new to practicing self-compassion, if you could just first practice curiosity, that can feel um, less squishy and and still gets you to access some self-compassion towards yourself. Because like Cal just said, if you're not, if you're being curious, then you can't be judgmental. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like you're so right. There's like a spectrum that like, if you're having trouble having self-compassion, curiosity about yourself might still be too hard. So if you can even just hold curiosity for like the world around you first, like Mm. go for a walk, try to notice new things, ground yourself, like be curious there and then be curious internally. And then that might lead to some more self-compassion, but um, that's really, um, we might be making it sound a little easier than it is. Um, (laughs) So it's a practice, something that you're going to have to keep doing. For sure. Yeah. I'm I'm tolerant of my own flaws and inadequacies. Yeah. Almost Mm -hmm. always. I'd say either about half the time or fairly often. I'll go fairly often. Mm-hmm. That word tolerance sticks out to me because it's not like I'm accepting of or I'm happy with. It's like yeah. neutrality. <laughs> like yeah. I can do that. That's easier than I love my flaws. <laughs> One thing I'm noticing is I, uh, and I've taken this quiz multiple times before, but one thing that's different that I'm noticing this today, holding that curiosity is whenever they say flaws and inadequacies, I'm like ready to put a higher score. Like, oh no, that's not good for me Uh. or hard for me. But whenever they say like, oh, you're experiencing suffering, I'm like so kind to myself. (laughs) Like, oh, poor guy. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. like Hmm. The word flaws is throwing throwing me for a loop, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. When something painful happens, I tend to blow the incident out of proportion. I did on that delivery day, but <laughs> I wouldn't say very often. Uh, I'd say occasionally for myself. Yeah, I'm going to say occasionally as well. Yeah. When I fail at something that's important to me, I tend to feel alone in my failure. Hmm. Um, no. I really have to think about this one. I feel it's it's important to me. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Say occasionally. Yeah. I'm pretty quick to talk about it. (laughs) Actually, I'm going to change that to almost never. I'm I'm an external thinker, so I'm I'm quick to want to process it with someone. (laughs) Yeah. It's reminding me of um this really great movie. Uh, if you have prime video, highly recommend the movie, Brittany runs a marathon. 
Um, it's about a woman who decides to run the New York City Marathon, which I'm excitedly will be running. Probably by the time this podcast is out, I'll have run it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in this movie, though, she has this one moment where she is feeling like a failure and her neighbor who she doesn't know very well tries to comfort her. And, uh, she's like talking about how alone she feels in this and the neighbor's trying to give that like common humanity of like, have you experienced this? Like I've experienced it too. Let me empathize with you. And she does it in a funny way. Cause she's like talking about like, <laughs> I have you ever woken up and found out that you were sleeping on a rat and she's like yes I live in New York City I've slept on a rat before and it's <laughs> funny dialogue but anyways she's uh she it, the scene builds to a climax and at one point in the movie uh she says like your life's just easier than mine um mm. which I'm wondering uh as we're taking this quiz I keep seeing that character pop up in my mind and being like, Ooh, man, I know how she'd answer this question, but this one for her, I think would be a lot more often. Hmm. Interesting. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. It's a good movie. So I try to be understanding and patient towards those aspects of my personality that I don't like. Almost always. Yeah. I'm going to say either almost always or fairly often. I'll go with, fairly often try to be okay that's the 26 questions all right let's calculate let's do it ah here it goes (laughs) so before we tell our scores i'm going to go over the score interpretations so the average overall self-compassion scores tend to be around 3.0 on the one to five scale so you want to interpret your score against that So as a rough guide, a score of 1 to 2.5 indicates you are low in self-compassion, and then 2.5 to 3.5 is moderate, and 3.5 to 5 is high. And then higher scores for self-judgment, isolation, and over-identification indicates less self-compassion, while lower scores on those indicate more self-compassion. So it's the reverse for those. Yeah. So my overall score was a 3.94, which I guess is, yeah, I'm proud of that. That's, uh, I'm higher in self-compassion. So that's, (laughs) that's a good thing to know still in the three though, but, uh, that's, I'm proud of that. What about you? Mine is a 4.08. I'm not at all bothered by the fact that yours is higher. (laughs) (laughs) I can feel it in your voice. (laughs) I'm proud of you. And that's great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm honestly surprised that mine is higher than yours. And I'm curious if yours was just being colored by the fact that you just went through (laughs) struggling with (laughs) self-compassion. Maybe. I don't know. I'm wondering (laughs) if there's anything that maybe pulls it down or up uh, throughout here. So. Yeah, let's take a look at those three. So we're going to now talk about self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. Um, Mm -hmm. So my self-kindness score was 4.4. Nice. My common humanity was 5. 
and my mindfulness wow. was 3.5. Mm. So, so my mindfulness was the lower one for me. Yeah. Yeah. My self-kindness was 4.6. My okay. common humanity was 4.5. Okay. And my mindfulness was 4.25. Okay. So that was lower for me as well. Nice. Good hmm. to notice. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So now we'll talk about the verse of those. So self-judgment, isolation, and over-identification. So if these are lower scores, then it means higher self-compassion. Yeah. So my self-judgment was 2.4. So very low. My isolation was 1.5. Wow. (laughs) And my over-identification was three. Yeah. So my self-judgment was three. My isolation was 1.25. Nice. And my over-identification was three. Um, So uh, like, as you can see, as we talked about earlier, sometimes you have self-kindness. Like I had a 4.4, which is pretty really like, that's pretty high, but I also had a self-judgment that was pretty high. So I can be kind, but I can also be judgmental. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 How do you feel about your scores? I feel like it's pretty indicative of the way that I think about myself, it's making me want to, it's calling me to like practice maybe a little bit more mindfulness, which I've actually started doing again recently. So hopefully that practice will continue to happen. How I'm doing it is uh, I'm doing some journaling and I use the day one app. So if anybody's looking for a free way to journal, you can use an app for that if you want to. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's something that I'm feeling called to by by my scores. I'm also very proud because I got like literally a perfect score on common humanity, which is always the <laughs> one that I'm like, this is what the world needs. Know <laughs> that you're not alone. Um, and I do think that's a piece of what a lot of people need. But uh, this quiz helps me remember it's not the only thing. <laughs> True. What about yeah. you? I honestly feel a little bit surprised about my score. I know that I've worked a lot on my self-compassion and I can can feel self-compassion a lot easier now, but I just, I have such a strong inner critic and such a harsh self-judgment when it is present that I think I assume that I still have like so much growth to do, but I think I'm recognizing that while those parts of me are strong and have really loud voices and loud opinions in my head, they're not always around. And I think that's what is showing growth is like, oh, they're still loud, but like they are not in my head as much as I think. Um, So it's bringing some new perspective for me, for sure. I really liked getting to take this with you. That made it, maybe that'd be a recommendation I have for people that want to take this quiz as if you have a friend that you want to take this with, it can be extremely vulnerable. Like I did feel a little weird whenever Lauren was like, how about we take the quiz live? I was like, ah, people are going to (laughs) know. Um, so it can be vulnerable. So watch out for that. But I really appreciated having you here with me to take the quiz. Um, thanks for doing this. It's been so long since I've taken it. So it was really fun to see 
how that's grown for me. I think the last time I took it, I was more like in the moderate range. And then then obviously the first time I took it, it was really low for me because I was just like judging myself left and right. (laughs) I'm glad you uh, took the risk and took the leap with me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Well, before we end for today, is there anything you want to promote, Caleb? Yeah, so uh, I run a book club called the What's My Therapist Reading Book Club. Um, It's free and it's currently online due to the pandemic. And we're currently reading Advanced Santray, but we might not be by the time that you are listening to this podcast. So if you're a therapist out there that is looking for a way to connect with some other therapists through reading, um, please feel free to look up uh, my website which is comatthews.com. That's C-O-M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S.com. And we'll put a link in the bio below where you can sign up. Description. Um, link in the description. <laughs> link in the description below where you can sign up. Yeah. yeah. And you have an Instagram account for it. Yeah, there's an Instagram and we have a Goodreads account. So all of that can be found on the website at that link. So I've got a lot of things going on that I'm happy to promote. I just started the collective practice membership, which is a membership for therapists where you get business consultation, clinical consultation, and we do some like mindfulness mindset stuff around owning our own businesses. And it's really cool. I'm loving it so much. Check that out. You can reach out to me if you're interested. Uh, Email me at lauren at laurenspalding.co. So it's .co. Um, and I now offer clinical consultation for IFS. So if there are any IFS therapists listening and you've been looking for consultation, feel free to reach out to me. Awesome. Yeah. And if you want to reach out to us here at, at thoughts on therapy, please email us at ask thoughts on therapy at gmail.com. Yeah. We want to hear from you. What did you think of this episode? What was your self-compassion score? How did you react to it? We'd love if people want to submit any emails or you can also submit voice memos to us, voicemails. Yeah. I don't know. Technology is hard for me. (laughs) And Caleb manages all of that for us. Yeah. Thanks so so much. much. And we look forward to seeing you next time.